0: that thing's crazy and it's going to kill you. Oh yeah, that's your girlfriend right there. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Your host for this episode,
1: Rich Warfield. Loud Pipes, episode 200... Don't call it a comeback, but it sort of is. And yes, we are back officially doing this thing again. Something we love, something we've missed, and it's also going to be a bit of a pivot. We're going to get into that here in a moment. So I want to bring in my buddy Chad here, also known as Boomer. You've heard him on the show, even 199 up in Maggie Valley. So Chad, what's going on? I don't right, What's going on, buddy? I'm getting ready to kick off this pivot. Enjoy a nice beer, as usual, and get into all the good topics this evening.
0: So, what kind of beer is it?
1: All right. This is from Juicy J. It's a local Charlotte beer. That's, or sorry, Juicy J is the name of the beer. It's from Legion Friends and Beer Company. But this is a mango version of their East Coast IPA. And it is also in a can, as you might expect. That was a good out. And it's juicy mm, the mango just adds a little touch. It's not like it's not citrus over the top. It's just like this is our i p a that you know and love, and here's a little mango to go with it. nice, good stuff in a cooler, of course, yeah, so what do you got? what are you sipping on?
0: uh, I'm starting out with shiner. I might switch over to bourbon lighter and if I do, it'll be the
1: one that I won at the uh Marine Corps ball. Hmm. Maybe a topic there as well, right?
0: Maybe. Maybe for another day. It depends on how long we end up going
1: tonight. (laughs) Sounds good. So yeah, topic-wise tonight, we're going to make a small pivot to the show. And we kind of previewed this on 199 with John, uh, Chad, and Jen up in Maggie Valley. And we wanted to restart the show, but something a little different. So of course, motorcycles, that's our passion. That's going to be probably the bulk of the content and maybe some other car car related stuff or car enthusiast stuff maybe, better, better way of saying that. Yeah, car enthusiast, that's one way to put it. A little something we mentioned at the outset of the podcast that we never actually got to. So I'm gonna play a little blast from the past and see if anyone can pick this up. Hello and welcome to Loud Pipes the podcast that brings you all things motorcycles, some things cars, and other diversions of interest. Now, that topic can be pretty wide open, so we'll narrow it down a little bit to other things we enjoy, like personal tech, things that go bang, and of course, adult beverages. Ah, that's the old audio. It's almost cringy. (laughs) Just a little bit. Where'd you record that? That was here in Charlotte, but it would have been probably with a Yeti. Blue or something. Oh, I don't know. It's terrible. And we used this phone recorder originally, and it took us a couple episodes to realize it was recording at like a crazy low bit rate. (laughs) So no matter what mic we had going into it, it was recording it at like a dial up bit rate. It was terrible. Oh, that's no good. Well, yeah. You just kind of change and make things better as you go along. That's right. We've learned a few things along the way. So if you it it's if you it didn't pick up on the tip, the the topic we never got to was things that go bang, which is a an interest of ours, has been and has really blossomed, I guess is the right word for me, in the last couple of years. And I thought no one better than than Chad, aka Boomer, to come over and help us make that pivot. So we're not switching it to a firearms podcast by any means, but we're gonna add some of that. And kind of see if there's a crossover. And if there is, we'll make that more of the show. And if not, then maybe it becomes its own show. So we'll we'll just see where that goes. Works for me. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to start with motorcycles. Lots going on. And we previewed this last episode with my track day crash and stuff like that. We're not going to get into that tonight. So sorry to disappoint you. But a future show, we're going to have my son Bryce on. My buddy Alan and his son Sully. The four of us are going to cover that as an event, but then talk about our transition to dirt and more of a family affair with the four of us riding and things like that. So uh, we'll get into that in a future show. But tonight we want to start with kind of an expansion on the build versus buy mentality. So this is a classic argument is it better to buy something new or build something cool or somewhere in between? So in the past, let's see, probably six plus months, I've been working on a 2008 KX450, rebuilding it, turning it into a track bike, having a lot of fun with it, scaring the life out of myself in the woods and all the fun stuff in between. And Chad has recently bought a Super ha- Honda Super ha? Is that correct? Yeah. I got the name right. Yeah, 98 VTR 1000. So you have an older bike that has been completely redone. Minus the clutch. Oh, has ever. <laughs> so now you have like a perfect old bike. And then I have the the kind of the rebuild older bike that I've done myself. And then, of course, I have a newer, well, not newer, I guess it's 2014 now, but I have a sort of new street bike. And I've bought brand new bikes before, so I've gone through that as well. So that's kind of mm-hmm. the topic is, you know, is there one better or worse, pro and con? and And we'll pepper it in with our experience here in the last few months.
0: Yeah. Well, you go first. Talk about that 450 because <laughs> I've been, I don't have anywhere to ride dirt out here. Yeah. So the idea of being able to get into the dirt, if
1: my knee could handle it would be something that, eh, kind of think about. It's fun. So obviously Bryce has a, a KLX 140 RL and he rides the snot out of that. And we go to mainly two parks in the area. So Carolina adventure world down in South Carolina, Winsboro is a big Mm -hmm. park that we go to. It's like a hundred miles of trails and it used to be a really cool place to ride and it still is, but now it's largely catering to side-by-sides, you know, big four wheelers and side-by-sides. So the trails are, you know, the trails are getting made more for those kinds of vehicles, but Rumor has it they're working on 25 miles of new single tracks for motorcycles, so maybe it's it'll get back to its glory again. But we've also discovered these trails in Ennery, South Carolina. There's a state park down there, and we've been riding there, including uh, last Saturday. So, kind of cool. Five bucks admission, easy day. You know, nice parking lot. Everything starts from the parking lot, and the, all the trails kind of go out in the loop. Trails are in, I would say, better shape. CAW because they don't ride there when it rains and they, they've got a maximum width of 50 inches so no big side by sides no giant four wheelers it is more dirt bike friendly I would say
0: sounds like it so you don't have the problems with the Jeeps or anything like that getting out there no the and
1: most of them don't allow on road vehicles so even CAW even though it's big enough that you could take a Jeep out there you're not going to see any of those but you will see the giant side by sides though
0: Hmm. And many that's, that's of them. That's the problem we have out
1: here. Or should I say, down here? When you get off road,
0: you run into Jeeps and stuff? Well, we have a couple of OHV parks out here, but it's all Jeep and side by side. And we're talking, you know, the $65,000 side by side with the twin turbos and the stereo system and the, you know, yeah. lift and all the ridiculousness
1: of it. Yeah. And, the, and no stuck rip. in six inches of mud, that, that kind of side by side. Yeah. <laughs> so you can use your winch.
0: Yes. Got to have that. Yeah. But yeah, there's really nowhere
1: down here to go do that. I'm kind of envious a little bit, man. Well, and another thing we'll be talking about over the next episodes is we bought some land this summer too. So we're planning to make some of our own trails as time goes on. And we haven't done that yet, but we're. We're on the verge, I should say, but anyway, nice, sorry, I diverge. You asked about the bike <laughs> and then I told you about the riding. <laughs> no, it's like, it's okay. <laughs> that's what we're kind of, that's what we do. So, so 2008 KX 450 and I got it from my nephew who was flipping bikes. He was, he was buying dirt bikes that needed work, fixing them up, kind of rehabbing them, you know, new plastics, you know, new parts, whatever was broken, just, fixing them functionally and, and making them look good. And then he was riding them for a little bit and then selling them. So I got this one from him because he got tired of working on it, which should have been a clue. (laughs) He got it for himself, wrote it, loved it, thrashing it one day. And then it just quit, you know, low compression. It still ran, but didn't run well. They look inside of the cylinder and they see the piston is cracked right down the middle. So he buys a new piston. He's like, yeah, I'm going to work on it. And then just kind of gave up. He's like, I'm done working on this. So he sold it to me for just what he had into it. And I've doubled that, <laughs> I'll say, at this point. But it's been fun. It's been a good experience for me and for Bryce. He's He loves to wrench. So he loves to wrench almost as much as he loves to ride. So I would say he's done at least 80% of the work on that 450. Mm -hmm. You know, I've helped with some of the detailed carb rebuild and stuff like that. And some of the, the work with getting the piston in and out, you know, putting the valve train back in and stuff like that. I've, I've helped, but he has done most of the work. Have you taught him how to do forks yet? That's we're going to do that this winter. We're going to pull the forks off and do that. If I can, these, these forks are a little weird. This was their first year that they, what did they call them? they added air to them. You know what I'm talking about? So you've got, mm. it's not just a damper rod set It's got like an air pocket at the top for, mm. I don't know, adjustability or whatever. I've been, I've been reading about it. People say you just throw it out and go back with the traditional system, but it still has all of that in it. So we might have to buy some more tools. Oh <laughs> no. Oh no. More oh, tools. No, more tools. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's a crazy bike. I mean, it's a first gen four stroke, so carbureted, but it is nuts fast. Even when it wasn't running right, it is nuts fast. I mean, in the woods, your first gear, maybe second gear occasionally, but you know, Bryce is going through the woods second, third, sometimes fourth on his 140, and I'm in first gear all day, just riding behind him. So it's the gearing is all wrong for a trail bike. I'm going to get a different sprocket and kind of try to slow it down a little bit so I can at least use second and then keep first for a reserve. Cause right mm-hmm. now I'm riding first. And then if I have to slow down, I got to clutch it and I'd rather not do that. So what's it geared for racing? It's a race bike. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. It's a full on motocross like race bike and it was raced and it's, it's life so it, i think it started its life as a race bike and then became a trail bike and then it sat for years which we found once we took the carb apart we found evidence of sitting so so you found the rodent <laughs> no rodent but just all this black i don't know how to describe it like this like a cross between no no in inside the the float bowl oh really yeah like a cross between Algae and carbon is how I would describe it.
0: So not even varnish? No,
1: interesting. Just this nasty, almost felt like Teflon, like if Teflon was liquid, but then it stuck to the inside of the bowl, because it was just this mm-hmm. slippery, slimy nastiness in the float bowl. It was weird. That sounds like it. But huh. we tore into that because I got tired of kicking the damn thing. Like. I didn't even ride the first time we went to Ennery because I couldn't start the bike. You know, you kick and kick and kick and then you wear yourself out and then it starts and runs for a little bit and then it quits. And then I just got tired of kicking it. So I just let the boys go ride and I sat in the parking lot like an idiot. (laughs) But now that the carb has been rebuilt, it's back in there. It's got a new piston. We adjusted the valves. I mean, it runs like a scalded dog now. It's ridiculous how powerful these things are. So, Hmm. yeah, that's my air quotes. Trail bike. (laughs) Trail bike. Trail bike, you know. Yeah, as you get older, you take it easy and you go to a trail bike. It's funny. My ascendance in motorcycling, I started with the KLR 650. Then I bought a Harley, rode that for 10-ish years then got into sport bikes and faster sport bikes and riding on the track and then going back to dirt. Why not ride the super bike of dirt? KX 450.
0: I can't find a flaw with your logic.
1: But yeah, so now I've, I've got a, let's see, 2008. I'm trying to do the math without hurting my head. So 18 would be 10 years, four plus two more 16 year old bike. And I'm into it. I'll be honest. I'm into it for about five grand more than I should have spent on it. But, but it's not dollars. It's the enjoyment you get out of it. That's right. That's right. We've had some cool times wrenching on this thing and just watching Bryce's technical skills improve or sorry, mechanical Mm -hmm. skills improve. It's just, it's cool to watch. I mean, he'll, he'll just like start tearing it apart because he gets tired of waiting for me. And when it needed to be buttoned up, when we got most of it back together, I was working late one day and I go over on the bench and it's ready to ride. It's ready for test ride. He had the plastics back on, he got the tank on everything. He's like, let's go. (laughs) He's like, I know you're working and that sucks, but let's go ride. (laughs) Your bike's ready. (laughs) Your bike's ready. It's fantastic. You guys really need to move down here we could put Bryce to work yeah certainly and that's what we want to do we're we're going to try our hand at at a little flipping business as well so we're going to home in on that first and second gen motocross bikes and see if we can buy up some cheap ones rehab them and sell them we'll see
0: well you know if you wanted to get into the street bikes stay away from the uh, 70s models and 80s models, Nighthawks and KZs and all that stuff. Yep. They've just gone up in price because they're so easy to work on. Uh, the first bike I ever bought was like a 77 or a 78 KZ 650 and that thing was just so easy to work on. You had carb problems as long as you didn't tear any of the carbs apart. You know, you left the rack connected Right. You could pull the bowls off the bottom. You could work on them, everything else. Well, before I bought my new, newest new to you acquisition, I was actually, yeah, new to me. I was actually looking for a late 70s model KZ 650, an early 80s model KZ, something like along those lines. And the cheapest one I found was like 1500 bucks. Oof. But it, but it looked like somebody had wrapped a rope around it and then drug it behind a tire or behind their truck down a dirt road for 20 miles. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> left out in the a tree growing around it. It was awful.
1: So not like I'm like, there's no way that's project. 1500 bucks. Yeah.
0: Oh no, no, there's, there's nothing easy about it. And I just kind of went now that's, that's not going to work. Maybe we need to get something I don't
1: have to do as much work to. <laughs> so what did you end up with? And I know I'm just being coy. Yeah,
0: I know. I know. We're, that whole interview process, I ended up with a 98 VTR 1000 Super Hawk, which it's a Honda. Usually I'm a Kawasaki guy, yeah, not a Honda, mm-hmm. but I looked at your VFR and I've really wanted that, that, a VFR Um, before I had my knee injury. I had an FJ09. Yep. The FJ. I almost didn't buy the FJ. I almost bought a VFR. It was like a 2016 VFR that was sitting at the dealership. A guy got there 15 minutes before me and took it for a test ride and wouldn't give the keys. uh,
1: Oh no. He's like, that's mine. Yeah. It's, I think we're getting, some kind of glitch on the connection, let me um I'll just kill the video, maybe that'll help uh, let's see yeah maybe video uh, let's see I don't know the the other thing with this laptop, and I guess this is germane to the show anyway, is I'm using all the equipment we started with, so this oh, lap, oh wow yeah, this laptop is a mid twenty four or sorry 2014 MacBook pro, and all the physical hardware we bought like in the first two years it all still works. So I'm, I'm using everything, you know, from day one. Oh, wow. Not day one. Sorry. Everything from when we got it figured out. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> so the super Hawk now, is this a twin or is it a four? No, it's a twin. It's a twin. That's what I thought. So
0: yeah, it's, um, so you've got the VL, which is the four, right? And I've got the VT, which is the, the twin. twin. Yeah. But I think... Uh,
1: what are you, an 850 on yours? It's written right at 800. Maybe slightly under, like seven ninety ninety eight or something.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, this is like a 998. Nine,
1: so that's like their... I don't know. Their know big they- super bike of the time was like a 996 or 998 or something. Something like that.
0: Yeah. And I just... I was looking at a Ducati. I don't like that dry clutch sound. Anybody who knows about Ducati's knows that it's got that, you know, a box of marbles being thrown down a flight of a
1: flight of step sound. Well, as the, and I just, I couldn't do it as the Ducatista would say it's a character. Yeah. Character. <laughs> yeah. The character that
0: I just, couldn't listen to that. It was just too much for me. Yeah. And then this Super Hawk showed up for sale on the little Facebook marketplace, and I went over and took a look at it. I was like, okay, this thing weighs right at about 400 pounds curb weight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I can move it around. I can throw my leg up onto the thing. My knee isn't killing me. I like it. It's under four grand nice let's rock and roll
1: so is it somewhat and when i went upright? to go pick at it like does it feel upright to you do what does it feel like oh no riding. no position? no no oh yeah it's a very aggressive riding
0: position if i was going to go do track days i could go do it on this bike gotcha so it's got a very aggressive riding position which I'm okay with, I mean, I need to lose a little bit of weight around the middle and we talk about fitness routines and everything else. Another show, (laughs) but, uh, it's, it's actually,
1: it's really fun to be back on two wheels. Nice. That was another topic I wanted to cover, which is, I think we talked about it on the show with John up in Maggie Valley is you're now you're is it fair to say your primary ride now is a spider? Is that fair? Yeah, that's that's extremely fair. Okay. Well, I didn't know if it was your just your long haul bike or if it had like become your daily and now your other bikes are occasional. I just I didn't know where it slotted in. Like obviously you had it on the trip, but I didn't know where it slotted in in the stable.
0: When we went on the trip, it was kind of the only bike I had. Yeah, I I fair. hadn't <laughs> gone back over into any of the other bikes because you know so what i did is i really messed up my knee uh i just i did get back into training martial arts i got real heavy into it and i ruptured my acl nasty bit of work it was about a year recovery time absolutely horrible kind of i would definitely advise anyone do not rupture your ACL. It's going to destroy your life. 10-4. It's good. Well, not destroy it. It's going to change it. And I'm still, I'm well over a year and I'm still having problems with it and getting things going again. I had a previous bike was a 2013 Victory Cross Country and a 2008 uh, Kawasaki Concourse. 1400 both bikes were just too heavy i couldn't move them around like i wanted to Mm -hmm. i started getting concerned about having jennifer on the back my wife and uh i went you know oh the last time john was down here in texas he let me take his spider around the block Uh oh Oh, yeah yeah, that thing was fun (laughs) it was it was fun and when you figured out that oh it's it's not just like this big overgrown you know a rip and go scooter. Yeah.
1: This is actually a fun bike that you got to pay attention. You got to ride this thing. Well, and they rip when you realize, "Oh, this is not a toy. Like this is legit." Yeah, it it
0: most definitely is legit. I I enjoy the hell out of riding that thing, and it is absolutely amazing to get on it never had a problem with it. And this goes into our little thing of what's better build or
1: buy. Yeah. Cause that one is definitely bought.
0: Oh yeah. It's a 2022. I don't have to do anything to it. Yep. Nothing. I don't
1: even have to change the oil. Yeah. And there's a lot I to t- be said for that, but my, I guess my stance on the, the build part and it's, it really extends just to maintenance as well. I don't think it has to be built, but there's a connection there when you Mm -hmm. wrench on the bike that you just there's no replacement for that like you can't buy that i guess is what i'm saying no you can't and you know yeah
0: i've i've done a little bit of customizing i've done some (coughs) excuse me i've done some other you know little things here and there with it just trying to set it up the way i want it set up and then i get this super hawk and I just almost wanna beat my head against a brick wall
1: <laughs> so what so tell us what happened i, I kinda know obviously, yeah, what, you know because you've been you've been talking, yeah.
0: <laughs> you've been you've been talking me down off of a
1: ledge a couple of times. well, I'm gonna torch this thing i wanna know, okay, so I wanna know how the owner described the rebuild to you because when you look at the pictures, this is a a brand new you know, 90s motorcycle is what it looks like. Like as if it was in the crate and somebody found it in the back corner of a shop and rolled it out and put it up for sale. That's what it looks like. So how did the owner previous owner describe the rebuild or, you know, what they went through? What was their story?
0: So the guy I got it from, he actually, he, he's a retired guy. He owned a couple of businesses outside of the state of Texas. He sold those businesses. He retired. He moved here. Bought him a house. Really cool garage. I'm very envious (laughs) of his garage. I mean, the floor was clean enough to eat off of. And I -hmm. just saw his newest project that he did. And I'll send you pics. It's insane. But what he did is he bought this Super Hawk. He took it home. He stripped the thing down. And when I say he stripped it down, he stripped it down. All the plastics come off. They were all polished up and cleaned up. The exhaust, the chrome was completely redone and polished up. Uh, paying less than four thousand dollars for this bike, it would have been a steal at five, sixth grand.
1: Yeah, it felt like a crime, probably at, at that price. It,
0: it it really did. But I took it out and I enjoyed it thoroughly for a couple of days, and then the. Uh, Slave cylinder started leaking and I went, okay, that's how hard can that be to fix?
1: (laughs) I think I've said that a time or two. (laughs) yeah, Yeah.
0: We're, we're anybody who's listened to this before is probably laughing hysterically right now. Yeah. So we replace all of the seals inside the slave cylinder. We get it bled down. It's working the way it's supposed to. No problems. I, I take it out. I write it. I come home. It's leaking again. Slave cylinder. I order another rebuild kit. I start going into it. Oh, I put the main, uh, O ring slash gasket. I think I put that on backwards. Okay. Let's turn that around. So first reassembly
1: it, just had it backwards.
0: Yeah. That's it's at no least that's deal. what I was thinking. No big deal. Right. So I do that and I, bleed it down again get everything set now i'm not telling you about the wonderful little things where i put like the piston for the slave cylinder in backwards and i had to pull it out turn it back around little nonsense things like that get it situated get it all bled down put it all back together button it up no problems 24 hours later it's now leaking again what the f I order a part. So I had already ordered a shop manual. The only place you can get it is on Flea Bay. Right. Ordered a shop manual. That was on its way here from a little place called Cedar Park, Texas, which is about three and a half, four hours away.
1: Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) I I sense a story there, too. (laughs)
0: Uh, I order a i'm I'm going online i'm I'm YouTube University for you know dealing with this problem. I'm used to a cable clutch, not a hydraulic clutch mm-hmm. and of course, the spider doesn't have a clutch. Do I just take it to the shop, Let the shop deal with it? Well, I won't see the bike for two and a half, three weeks. I'll just do it myself.
1: yeah, how hard can it be?
0: <laughs> how hard can it be? It's
1: three bolts. How hard can it be? It's like a brake caliper. Come on. Put the new one on, bleed it, done. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) End up needing a whole new slave cylinder assembly. Uh, It's called Oberon Performance or something along those lines. They're out of the United Kingdom. So now they still. Yeah. So now it's got an upgrade. I get that on there that actually showed up three days after I paid for it,
1: which is crazy coming from the United Kingdom, right? Yeah. And your stuff from three hours away probably hadn't arrived yet.
0: No, that showed up today, (laughs) this evening, actually (laughs) six days later, (laughs) um, six days might be generous. Yeah. It might be closer to 10. Ouch. So yeah, right. So I get the new slave cylinder on there. I get it. Well, what I thought was bled down. No problems. Clutch is dead. And I spent two days or a day and a half beating my head against the wall going, Rich, what the F, man? What did I miss? Did I do something wrong? How did I mess this up? What is going on? And you
1: gone. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I gotta, I got to share with people how crazy this thing got. So, of course, I'm just fishing for something to help. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, my VFR has a hydraulic clutch. It's probably the same thing. And I have the service manual. Let me go look at it. So I'm looking at the manual. Of course, it gives you nothing. It's like three steps. Like, unbolt it, you know, take it off and put it back on. doesn't really tell you, like, if there's any technique. Like, you were asking, do I push the cylinder back in or, you know, the rod? Is there any special way that has to go in, you know, nothing in the book. But I think the pinnacle of like craziness is when you asked, (laughs) I can't even say it out loud. He's like, so under the (laughs) slave cylinder, you know, the piston actuates a rod, which goes in and and presses on the the clutch. (laughs) And he goes, so does yours sit all the way in? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) He does realize I would have to remove my own cylinder to check that. Yeah,
0: that's exactly. After I said that, I was just like, he's not taking that apart. And if he takes this apart, if he takes this apart and goes, yeah, it's sitting in there the way it's supposed to. I really owe him a freaking big bottle.
1: I laughed so hard. And then I I just waited a few minutes. And then, of course, then you come back. You're like, all right, I sorted that part out. (laughs) I'm like, oh, good. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) I've got this under control. But I laughed so hard. And my kids are looking at me. They're like, what is going on? Because I'm supposed to be, you know, working, right? Working from home. (laughs) He's like, dad's over here falling on the floor. Oh, God. I just, I had to share that one. (laughs) No, it's completely fine.
0: (laughs) So I get home and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I know a technique. Here's what I'm going to do. And this is something that somebody told me a long time ago. And that is, if it's a foot brake, take a brick, open up the valve by depressing the brake. Make sure it's got plenty of fluid in it and walk away. If it's got air bubbles or anything like that, that's stuck in it. The actuators open, the valves open, the stuff is going to come out. Yeah. The air is going to rise. It's going to go up to the reservoir. Yeah. We actually had to do that on Jennifer's Harley once. She had an air bubble that was stuck on her rear brake. And there was no amount of bleeding that was going to get that thing out. Mm-hmm. And we just ended up, I just put a brick on the rear brake cam. Uh, lever and just walked away from it
1: disconnected the battery and said let's go to lunch yep so after that then now the clutch is working so i
0: bled it down for like the 93rd time (laughs) and then took a zip tie wrapped it around the clutch cable pulled it tight so it opened it up made sure there was plenty of fluid in the top of the reservoir and went Hey, let's go to lunch. Let's go run to the grocery store. We'll check this out when we get back. Mm-hmm. Come back a couple hours later and I grabbed a hold of it and really cut the zip tie and started checking the pressure on it. And lo and behold, I've got pressure on my clutch. So, yay. Yay. Apparently, the top half needed to be opened up and bled out. I guess. I don't
1: know. Well, that, that's it's, why I was asking you about the. The vacuum bleeder. So I bought one of those a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, probably like 10 years ago, but I never used it for years. But then when I started using it, man, is it a quick job to do. Now, I've only used it on brakes, but, you know, you fill the reservoir. You just, you know, run up your vacuum down on the bleeder and it's like open, close, you know, give it more vacuum, open, close. And it just draws the fluid in. Without doing anything with the lever, and it's just quicker to get all that air out. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Button it up, and off you go. Now, I don't know yeah, if the clutch, think, if you had a if you had an air bubble stuck up in the lever somewhere, I don't know if it would have drawn that out, but those seemed to work pretty quickly. That's
0: almost what it seemed like it was, that it was up there in the top. So... I don't know. It's working now. I took it out and I rode it around the neighborhood and made sure everything was
1: working. Nice. So, I'm going to take it out and I'm going to enjoy, you know, tomorrow. But when you get to yeah. it, get some good audio of that thing ripping around and we'll have to play that on a future show.
0: Oh, yeah. I'll, uh, I can tell you when I was out on the road, I had a I don't know. Can I admit this on the rating on this? And there's I no self-incrimination. Sure. It, 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 I could tell you at 5,000 RPM, it'll do 110.
1: Probably. Yeah. In top gear. Or is that? Yeah. Fourth? It was, in,
0: I had it in six and all I did was just roll onto the throttle on a close course. Yeah. That's what it was.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And it, uh, yeah, that twin according. has got to be torquey. Oh,
0: I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I, you know, you remember years ago, you used to joke about you had the, you had the wife bike and you had the girlfriend, the mistress.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And I, I was looking in the garage and I looked at my spider and it's dependable. It's reliable. It's stable. Yeah. That's wife. That That's definitely the wife bike and i look over at the red super hawk and it's like that thing's crazy and it's going to kill you oh yeah that's your girlfriend right there
1: <laughs> yes sir <laughs> oh man <clears throat> well that's what's missing from a a sport bike is there's really not an abundance of torque unless you get a twin mm-hmm. so that's got to be fun to have the the sporty riding position the chassis and suspension, but you have a Torquey power plant. That sounds like fun.
0: Yeah, and I never realized how
1: much I missed being on two wheels. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what I was wondering, and we sort of went there and then diverted. But you know, with your transition to riding a Spider as the primary, I kind of wondered if you would miss that because I could see when we were riding the the Skyway, I could see where. You know, you are still leaning and working the spider, but there is, there is no reward, I guess, for getting it right. It's like you either make the turn or you don't. Mm-hmm. But on two wheels, you know that combination of you know leaning and all of that can can really be rewarding, and you, and you are a lot more involved. You know, I I know John explained, you know, you just you are not just along for the ride on the spider. I get that. You still have to throw your weight around, but you are not nearly as involved as you are on two wheels. So this spider is,
0: it really is. It's, it's more stable. You know, if, if Can-Am would get up off their ass and start pushing those spiders out to new riders, instead of letting new riders go to a 250 or a 500 cc motorcycle and they started off on a can am spider there would be so many more riders out there because it's so easy to ride yeah but yeah it it really is it doesn't take as much it doesn't take as much focus to ride a spider as it does two wheels there's there's more to the dynamic of riding
1: yeah and i i guess the part that i and, and maybe you can speak to this this was always my fear of riding a spider is the bars turn more like a four-wheeler there's no counter steering so mm-hmm. that that was my only concern like in in more of a panic situation is I don't want to have to think like, Oh, am I on the spider or am I on the VFR? You know, like that's, and I don't know if that translates, not an issue. Okay.
0: That's not an issue. That was actually, so there were, there were a couple of concerns I had when I first got the spider. So when I first got the spider, I still had my, uh, my concourse, my 1400. Yep. And I was very concerned if I went into a term. what I remember I was on a motorcycle, what I remember I was on the spider in a panic situation in this, you know, what about this? What about that? And I've talked to a lot of spider owners and there's a lot of them that actually keep the spider for long distance rides or when they're bringing their wife with Mm -hmm. them and they ride their two wheeler when it's just themselves or it's short rides and they don't have any issues going back and forth between the two. Okay.
1: So there's enough of a mental flip from one to the other that it it doesn't seem to be an issue. The only thing that I have done is
0: I have noticed when I first started riding the spider was I would reach up to
1: grab the clutch (laughs) yeah, and the spider doesn't have one. Maybe that's the good mental break is if if you're not working the clutch, you're kind of automatically know like, yeah, turn it this way. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things for me that I just kind of get on it and go. Cool. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, cause it's, I mean, not that I'm looking at getting one anytime soon, but that was always my thought is would I, would it be hard to go back and forth just in general? And then, you know, secondarily, what about the panic moves? That's all. Yeah. I've not had any issues. So, and I think, You said this already, but fair to say, much easier to ride longer distances on that than it is a a two-wheeler.
0: It was for me. I mean, and I've got the experience to say it. We rode from, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth area up to Sturgis, South Dakota and back. We didn't trailer, we rode. And that was on my cross-country, and this time on our last little adventure that was on the spider going i think we did almost three thousand miles. miles mm-hmm. and yeah well there's a
1: reason why you can't use those in the iron butt association and uh, to tell us how many miles you did on your last day home from maggie valley oh yeah that was a 650 mile day yeah yikes that was, but that was preceded by like a four-ish hundred mile day as well. Yeah, I mean, we our lowest
0: mileage day was like a 220 mile day.
1: Nice, good stuff with the spider and all of our wrenching and and things like that. the The four hundred and fifty is a blast, although it's a handful. I still love it, and you're going to get a lot of miles out of that Superhawk. So I'm. I'm looking forward to all those stories. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm really can't wait to get out there and get on it. All right, you owe me some audio.
0: Okay, <laughs> I'll no, I'll I'll probably end up doing
1: high speed passes right. past the house. The <laughs> <laughs> have the GoPro down low on the curb, so when you whiz by, yeah, there we go. All Put right. the phone right there on it. Cool. Well, before we transition here, I just, just a couple of, I guess, production notes, if you will. So we're trying to get the show going again. And we've always, we've always worked on the the value for value exchange. And, you know, we never did advertisements or anything like that. We did do Patreon at one point back in the day, but, you know, it seems to me in the podcast world, the simple value for value works best. So I would say pioneered by by Adam Curry and, and John Dvorak over at no agenda that's a podcast I listen to and love and and they've sort of perfected that model it's and it's a simple one if you get some value out of the show then just return whatever you feel is right you know back to the to the creators. So we still have our page up you know loudpipes.net/ donate. there's a little PayPal link there if you want to send us some some funds if you will and we have some affiliate links there that we're going to start adding. My first one I added is from Refuge Medical, um, all American made first aid kits plus training. And it's a really cool company. So, you know, check those out. That's an affiliate link there as well. And a lot has happened in the podcast world since we first started. So I want to mention, you know, if you're using iTunes or Spotify or, or some of the, I guess we could say, legacy or, or closed systems, if you will, you may want to check out podcastindex.org. So there's a lot of new podcast apps out there that have different features, they have different uh, value exchanges and they're all hosted or sorry they're all powered by Podcast Index and Podcasting 2.0. So that's a you know a distributed way of getting your podcast out there and you're not tied to iTunes or you know or Amazon or Spotify or something like that. So if you're looking for a new podcast app and you want to you know support more of an open source model then check that out. So all right Chad We've rambled on enough about bikes. We're a little too close for missiles. What do you say we switch to guns? Let's switch to guns. The topic we always intended to add to the show, but we just never quite pivoted there. And that, of course, is the world of firearms. So I guess my, my thought here is I want to I sort of cover the range of, I, I guess what I would say is like firearm ownership, if that makes sense. So it's not just like, hey, let's let's Google and let's ooh and ah over the latest thing, or you know, let's get on the Second Amendment rant. You know, there's certainly enough of those things out there, and and that's all important. I'm just saying that's not that's not really my direction or, or my intention. So so my intentions are around, I'll say, firearm ownership usage. So you know, using the right tool for the job you know, cleaning, safety, you know, all that stuff, getting your kids involved, you know, that, that kind of thing. And just more, I don't know, more of uh, the purpose of the tool, right? Not so much like just ooh and on over it. Does that make sense? Am I capturing <laughs> what we described offline in, in well, s- somewhat there's, accuracy?
0: there's enough shows out there. There's enough podcasts and radio shows, and you've got all these other things where they talk about you know, the second amendment and yeah, the second amendment's important mm-hmm. and there's this, there's that. And what about this? And what about that? But at the end of the day, the majority of people aren't going to get any further than, well,
1: I've got a Glock. So, right. What do I do with it? It's in the safe over here. What I, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I'm talking about is like, you know, let us be real with what these things are used for, and let's let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. So I said I didn't have a topic, but I do. Okay, <laughs> I want a new hunting rifle. But okay, I, I think we've talked about this and at pretty good length before. Mm-hmm. So I I currently have the the beloved Deerslayer, I would say of the U.S., but maybe just of my part of Pennsylvania where I grew up, but I have a thirty thirty Marlin, you know, short 16 inch, you know, lever action, lever action, you know, just, you know, the, the quintessential deer slayer, if you will, you know, the, the old phrase, like, you know, more deer been taken with a thirty thirty than anything. Well, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's not, but it sounds good, right? For nostalgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course that's what I have. So it's like, yay, that's the one. But that's what I, I took my first and only deer with when I was growing up and that was given to me by my dad. So, you know, I cherish it and I, I don't shoot it anymore and I haven't hunted in a very long time, but I want to get back into deer hunting, but probably not with that one because I would like to keep that, you know, put it away. That's, that's one that, that stays in the family. Mm Mm-hmm. So, my thought for a new hunting rifle is a, a do it all 308, is my thought. And since in North Carolina, you can hunt with a semi automatic and you can hunt with a suppressor, the front runner is the Ruger SFAR, SFAR. Short frame, or sorry, small frame auto loading rifle. You like mm-hmm. that one? Good choice. You're going to talk me out of it?
0: No, I'm not going to talk you out of any gun purchase. You know better than that. <laughs> That's right. I forgot who I was talking to. <laughs> I mean, you're you're definitely talking to the wrong guy if it's a talk you out of. Now, I can tell you that. Well, how about right tool for the job? Maybe we'll start there. It's it's a tool. Correct. Um, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would use a semi-automatic for shooting, for hunting deer, pigs all day long. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, You started talking suppressor. Now, if you're talking about suppressor, now you need to worry about what about your gas feed uh, system for an AR? Is it set up for a suppressor? Is it not set up for a suppressor? Now I got to watch my loads. Now I need to worry about my magazines. I can tell you what my hunting rifle is, and my hunting rifle is a you know Ruger Gunsight Scout in 308. And I think if I can find one, I might actually get one in 65 Creedmoor.
1: Mm. Now the Scout is—is is that bolt action or is that semi? So it's a—it's a bolt action magazine fed. Uh,
0: The scout rifle is something that Jeff Cooper came up with uh, years ago, back when Moses first come down from the hill (laughs) and said, these are the rules and these are the laws. (laughs) This is the one. This is is the way. And Colonel Cooper came up with this idea of you want to take a rifle out into the field. And the rifle needs to be able to be quick to point. It needs to have these kind of optics. It needs to these are the things you need to look into. I don't specifically use a scout rifle because it has all that. I use a scout rifle because I like a forward mounted optic. Mm-hmm. I'm using a two to seven scope. I'm not shooting further than 250 yards. I'm using a three Oh eight and I'm using a
1: suppressor. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's, I, I guess I, don't, I understand where you're coming from with the semi and, and yes, I, I fully understand that you know when you're taking animals for the you know like deer in particular larger game, mm-hmm. it's it's ideally just one shot, proper place, one shot, there's not really mm. a follow-up. but you mentioned hogs, and that's something that I've been interested in as well as going on a few of those hunts. so and I guess my idea for the S-FAR is kind of the do-it all 308, so keep it in the 16 inch sort of battle rifle style. Or mm-hmm. size, I should say, not necessarily style, but this, that size, because that way, when you add the suppressor, it's not ridiculously long. Still use it for deer. Still use it for hogs, and you know that battle rifle setup, if you will. Well, if you went with uh,
0: so I'm not f- too familiar with the Ruger. I haven't really looked at them. A 308 and semi automatic kind of. I I kind of look at it and go, yeah, like, great, thumbs up. If that's what you want to do, man, go for it. (laughs) Um, But, you know, 308, semi-automatic, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing. If you can legally hunt with it, then legally hunt with it. You know, it's America. You do you, buddy. Um, Specs on it. As long as you can put a suppressor on there and
1: I can tell you, don't go overboard on your scope. Right. Yeah, because deer maybe. is like, you know, 100 yards, maybe. You're not going well, far, typically. Not in the woods, anyway. Yeah,
0: I mean, maybe go 416, but I wouldn't go higher than that.
1: Probably a 3 to 9 would work perfect. Gotcha. The Scout is nice. That one's been on my list. We've We've talked about that for mm-hmm. a while, and that would fit my need for if I go back and hunt with, you know, my brothers or my dad in Pennsylvania because they do not allow semi-auto or suppressors. So the scout would, would fill that bill if I go deer hunting in Pennsylvania. See, that was, I think that was
0: one of the lines that Cooper wanted is he wanted a rifle that would do everything. Yeah. It's it's the one purchase you're going to make. You're only going to get one rifle. So, you want to make sure it's going to do everything. It is the sport utility vehicle of the firearms world. You can do, you can hunt everything in North America with a 308. Change your loads. Right. Yeah. You're shooting something, you know, maybe like a bear, you might want to go with 175 gram bullet over some of the lighter stuff. Okay. I see your point. I mean, magazines are plenty for the scouts. They're not really too expensive. It's on a Ruger action. So you know the thing's bulletproof literally.
1: (laughs) Well, and if you want it slightly longer, I'm looking on the website now. It looks like there's a 16 and 18.7 inch barrel. So If you want something slightly longer they have it i i think that the next the next bolt
0: gun i get i've been you know thinking am i gonna build a uh you know an old model um m24 uh scout sniper rifle you know the sniper rifle they had you know vietnam going up to desert storm kind of a setup or do i want to switch over and i'm sitting here going you know I'm getting up there in age. Maybe <laughs> not, a 6.5 Creedmoor and a scout rifle with an 18-inch barrel wouldn't be too bad.
1: So what what is your, other than the, the ballistic advantage of the 6.5, what's your draw to that from a hunting standpoint?
0: So with the 6.5 Creedmoor, it's got less recoil. It's easier to shoot. You don't have that a lot of first-time shooters, they get out there and they kind of, oh, it's gonna hurt. I've I shot this once or twice, and I didn't have a good grip on it. It's gonna it's gonna hurt when I pull the trigger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you go to a six-five Creedmoor and then screw a suppressor on the end of it. You've got you know, you've got a pussy cat
1: that you're holding right there in your hand. Now, I've I've heard and read a lot about the barrel life of six, five, is that, is that legitimate? Is that a concern? Not for me, not for a hunting I mean, rifle, but if you're, I guess if you're, I mean, if you're doing like the semi-auto setup and you're, you're dumping it at the range every week, then that's probably a concern, but bolt action, you, it doesn't come. What am I trying to say? Bolt action, not a factor is. I don't, I don't think so.
0: I, I've looked at what you need to do to shoot out a barrel. And that's a lot of ammo, man. (laughs) I mean, you're you're talking a lot of ammo unless you're getting into some of those, you know, really oddball weird cartridges like the 284 Ackley Improved or whatever it is, and you've got special barrels that you're making, having made for you and then you got to worry about that stuff, but
1: three Oh eight, six, five Creedmoor. So yeah, a quick little internet search here is talking about 2,500 rounds for six, five. This is a few years old now.
0: Yeah. But do you think you're going to fire 2,500
1: rounds of six, five Creedmoor just in a hunting rifle? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If this is your hunting rifle primarily, but you could use it for other things, but, and especially if it's a bolt gun, you're going to be hard pressed to get that much through it unless that's all you do. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I, yeah, and as far I as a, it.
0: yeah. Well, I was going to say, as far as a pig hunt, you know, you're
1: just a plane right away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to try it. And it's the more I read about it, the more I understand how much of a problem they are. Mm-hmm. especially in in your part of the country and a little bit south of me as well but yeah certainly in texas i understand the wild hogs that's a that's a problem do you guys have any out at the ranch yes oh you do okay we have oh, oh yeah there's a big one out there
0: that if i get an opportunity i'm gonna smoke his <laughs> smoke his bacon <laughs> yeah he's he won't be any good to eat but i'm gonna smoke him and. Yeah tell you how big hog hunting is down here there's a county that's over to us that hosts a four month long competition that where you know they do a hog hunting and they weigh the hogs and the last one that won last year was a 420 pound hog oh man wow
1: that's a lot <laughs>
0: You didn't ask me what the prize was.
1: Oh dear. Okay. Yeah. What was the prize? $25,000. What? Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I got to rethink this now.
0: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. We can hunt hogs at night with night vision. Yes. Yes. Keep talking to me. Keep going.
1: (laughs) 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 They're hogs. You can use whatever you want. Man. So now I understand, do I have this right? They, they are edible just as long as they're smaller, right? This isn't, this isn't all just for sport and animal control.
0: No. I mean, if you're getting, if you're shooting hogs to eat, you want to get them like
1: under 200 pounds. Gotcha. There was a place Kenny and I, my brother Kenny and I were looking at, I think it was in Florida, possibly Northern Florida. And that was part of the package is if if you wanted it, they would process it and send you home with the meat. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was one of those out here. And I think he's just down the road. Oh man. That could be a very fun episode. If we, if we hooked up a hog hunt. Oh, (laughs) I think we could get John down here for that. We'd have a lot to talk about. I'm sure John's down for anything. Rico too. He's into all that. Although his work schedule is a little tough right now, but. But we'll, we'll get him back. That's kind of part of the restart is, you know, Chad and I are starting tonight. We're trying to stick our toe into the firearm waters and see how that crosses over. And But we'll have everyone back. You know, John will be back. Rico at some point. Probably even Bacon once we get back around. Yeah, And then I'll mix in people from time to time. But maybe this will be kind of a, a steady format once we get going. Maybe. I mean, it's deer season down here now. Through
0: through when? How much longer I do you? Think, I think bow
1: season is until January. Let me check. I think, I think we're done here. And I, I didn't get a license this year anyway. But one of the things I've been looking at for the kids is they have, North Carolina offers a lifetime license. Mm-hmm. And they have it both for hunting and fishing. Like you can get a combined one. And it's it's attractive it's it's like a couple hundred bucks, but it's for their entire life,
0: so if you're gonna do that, take them to a hunter
1: safety course also, yeah, yeah, for sure I think that and well, then that's a prerequisite,
0: and then take them out there and if they don't want to do it, then I'm not saying that people do this because that would be completely unethical, but you could go hunting and you know,
1: bring the kid with you. Right. Well, they have that with fishing too. It's like, you know, as long as you're not the one reeling it in, uh huh. Then the kids are fishing, you know. It's like, okay, ten four. <laughs> yeah, got it. <laughs> got it. Take the kids fishing, don't touch the rod. Wink wink. Wink, wink. Yeah. So yeah, my my youngest is interested in hunting. So he says, so I want to try that, but a couple people have suggested that we start with a, start with a bow or start with like a crossbow first and see if they're, if they're into it or if it's more of, Hey, I get to use a rifle kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if you start with a bow and they're still into it, then you know, they're, they're into it. Well, yeah, there's also the, you know, need to get them to clean something correct and eat it correct yeah well and the the bow e- even a crossbow gets it gets you into that one shot mentality mm-hmm. you know almost like the, the muzzle loader mindset it's like well if i miss this one it's gonna be a minute before i get the next one going
0: <laughs> well you start hunting with a muzzle loader you miss you're done yeah just go ahead
1: yeah go home grab your sandwich and start walking out. You're done for the day. Muzzle loader. That'd be fun. I should get
0: an old musket. I had a set of dueling pistols years ago. And somebody booted my front door. They took a cheap ass ibanez guitar mm-hmm. and my dueling pistols. Oh. It's no good. Yeah, they didn't look behind the door. To see that I had left my gun safe open. Oh, jeez! They took the the black powder pistols. They t- they took two black powder pistols and the case and a Ibanez guitar and ran. And I was like, I don't know whether to be grateful or to be insulted. Right, right. You took like five hundred dollars worth of crap. If you'd have looked behind this door, you'd have found you know.
1: Thousands. You'd have hit pay dirt. Yeah. Oh, that's funny, moron. Well, yeah. I mean, come on, cr- cr- criminals are not the—they're uh, not criminals. Yeah, they're not the they're, brightest because they're brilliant, <laughs> typically. <laughs> oh man, that's a whole but nother yeah, topic we get, we can get into. Oh, yeah, self defense and whatnot. Yep, and we both follow the about the same trainer, so. Yeah, I need to find some some martial arts type activity. The the place where my kids were going, they don't they don't go anymore, so I don't have the free free hookup for Krav Maga. So I got to I got to find a place to do that. Get back into shape. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm with you. I really wish I could run. You'll get there. You'll get back there eventually. Yeah. But yeah, I still think, uh, I still think a 308, you know, bolt gun would be a way to go. That's just my opinion.
1: Yeah. I agree. And I, like I said, I've, I've just had my eye on that one for a while just cause it's, it's lightweight and it's kind of a do all, but it doesn't let me hunt in other states that I want to. And like you said, you know, hunting, you don't really need semi-auto unless we're going to hunt for hogs. That's a whole different, whole different yeah, that's, game. Yeah. and. You have to think if you're using a suppressor,
0: even if you're using a bolt gun, a suppressor. Hogs are smart, but they're not that smart, right?
1: <laughs> Coyotes, on the other hand, those are smart. Yeah, a little, a little more smart. You don't have any of those around, do you?
0: Uh dude, tell me what you want to hunt. <laughs> you got it all. Last time I was out there at the ranch and stuck around after dark, we had coyotes, deer, hog, turkey, and I, th- uh, bobcats, raccoons, mm. and I think there's a mountain lion out there. Oh, man. You go out to the ranch with a 10 mil, right? Yes. I'm guessing. I, I go out, I don't go out there with anything less than a 10 millimeter Glock on me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's some pretty neat setups for kind of like your, your bushcraft pistols and whatnot. Mm -hmm. That can be a whole, whole nother topic in the future. Like, you know what you take out into the wilderness and I don't mean just like the, your back forest, but like, like deep wilderness at a, Buddy it worked it went to Alaska this year and Alaska and Colorado I think it was and his setup was pretty cool. That is somewhere I really want to go hunt. I've heard some
0: really cool stories about people who have hunted out there and they're like, yeah, you drop an animal, you need to field dress it and get gone. Yeah, you like get out of there now. You need to drop it, field dress it, get out of there ASAP. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, what's the urgency? And he goes, the bears out there <laughs> <haven't animals>. realize <laughs> that they get a free, they get free food. Yeah. You've already done the killing for him. All they have to do is show up and eat. Yeah. So if you don't get that thing dressed out before the bear gets there, you might want to give up your lunch money to the bully.
1: Yep. <laughs> Yep, give him give him your lunch money, and if you need to, hope that your hard hard cast bullets are enough. Yeah, no
0: doubt. And bear spray is a waste. Yep, all it does, and the bear bells. That's my other one. I mean, why why would they be afraid of a bell? I don't understand that. So the idea is that I've I've been joined by uh, my uh, my faithful companion. Rocco, the wonder mutt, (laughs) the wonder mutt, (laughs) the, the bells are supposed to tell the bears that you're there and avoid you. Oh, the problem is is the bear already knows you're there. Yeah. They, they, and if the bear bear doesn't
1: avoid, go ahead. No, I'm saying the, the bear smelled you a long time ago.
0: Yeah. And if the bear doesn't avoid you, that means he's not afraid of you. And you better be afraid of him. Hmm. Indeed. Thus, the ten mil,
1: the the ten millimeter, and the two hundred grain hard cast bullets. But yeah, man, that's the plan. We gotta. I want to pick up a new hunting rifle, and I want to get back into it. It's been it's been too long. But I for sure want to do deer hunting. Probably hogs, and then we'll we'll see how that goes. Well, if you want to do a deer hunt. You're going to have to do it. You could
0: get an out-of-state tag and come down here. I mean, I've told you about the ranch property for deer, haven't I? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, set your watch. (laughs) Be in the blind at three. At 3.30, there'll be seven deer. At 3.40, there'll be 12 deer. By four fifteen, they'll be fifty two
1: and you can take your pick. Yep, nice. And is there a is there a like a buck versus doe season in Texas or is it all one season? Uh I think it's all just one season. It's just limits on what you can get. Gotcha. I'll get you the info for an out of state tag. Hopefully it's not like Pennsylvania. They're they're up to a couple hundred bucks for an out of state tag now. I think we do we do archery and a standard
0: and it costs us like 65 bucks for the, for the hunting season for the year. Oh, that's but We only bad. get them for deer. We don't mess with the turkeys because they're too smart. And yeah. Coyotes and coyotes
1: and hogs are considered pest animals. And Well, turkeys if, are turkeys are hard to shoot without ruining the meat. Yeah. I, I always found. And I love as a, as a kid, before I went away to college, I loved hunting grouse, like grouse and pheasant, like the small birds. But they're they're frustratingly hard to get because they're so damn fast. And you come up on them, and as soon as you make a little twitch, they fly off so fast. that You don't even get the rifle up, and they're gone. But they're good eating if you can catch them. Mm-hmm. I'm just not quick enough. You're walking through the woods and it's just, they're gone. <laughs> yep. Like, bye. Nice hearing you. Cause I didn't see you. Yeah.
0: We've got a couple of good sized hogs out there. The cool part is
1: you come down here. We got a spare room. Nice. All right, cool, man. Well, I think that's about it for tonight. Not really a structured topic, but like we said, we're just kind of kicking the tires anyway. And, See if there's a crossover here, and if people enjoy that, we'll keep doing it. We'll expand, and if it doesn't seem to be a crossover, I still want to do it anyway, so maybe we'll do it as a separate show and see how yeah, I like that Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: Add it on when we're talking about motorcycles. I mean,
1: there's all kinds of stuff we can talk about. Yeah, yeah. maybe just interweave it instead of making it separate. All right, anything, anything interesting coming up that you got that you want to talk about? A little preview, maybe?
0: Of the future, mm, no, I'm just gonna get out and enjoy that super hawk, maybe hit a couple hit the range a couple of times. That's about it, indeed. Good luck with hunting season to anybody who's listening or
1: who's gonna go out there and eat their little debbie snacks and... that's right, yeah, all the hunting snacks you can consume that's right, all right, sir. Well, thank you very much in our our time-honored tradition. We'll go ahead and say, uh, "Kickstands up," and whatever snappy catchphrase you've got. Uh, the only thing I got is ride safe, and you know,
0: don't don't do anything stupid.
1: Agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, all. Good night.
0: You for listening. Please consider supporting the show. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate.